morning, everybody. All right. I want to greet those of you in our campuses today in Waterbury, New Milford, and in Derby as well. If you're watching online or if you're new in any of our campuses today, my name is Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And we are in a sermon series called Jesus Says. And I believe the Lord has uh, some work to do within us today. I pray that you've all come, wherever you are, in whatever location, ready for the Lord to do some work in you. We have a God who is compassionate. We have a God who is caring. We have a God who loves us, who extends his grace and his mercy. We have a God who can transform us. And uh, I truly believe that the Lord wants to do great things in and through us, through his presence today. And so I hope that you're excited for that. (laughs) Very good, very good. We are going to be departing from Matthew's gospel a little bit today. Wanted to make an exception because there's a story that we really wanted to cover in John's gospel and really look at the words that Jesus says. It's in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 4, or if you have an app that you want to get it in front of you, that'd be fantastic. Here's what's going to happen today. I'm going to share the story that comes out of John chapter 4, which is the story of the, the good Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. I combined a few stories together right there. The, the Samaritan woman at the well, John chapter 4. I'm going to share that story with you, and then I'm going to invite a good friend of mine up, Liz Rivera, who you've seen lead worship here. She's a part of our family ministries team, and she's been gracious enough to be willing to share her story and why this story in John 4 is so important to her. After that, what we're going to do, just so you know, in every campus today, what we're going to do is we're going to create space at the altar. We want people to be able to come forward and to just be in the presence of Jesus, to be ministered to. So just be preparing your heart for that um, and ask the Lord if that's something that you would like to do. Just be able to get up, to walk forward, and just be ministered to at the altar uh, and allow Jesus to move in your life in that way. Let me tell you the story of John chapter four, the Samaritan woman at the well, an amazing story. As I start this, I wanna say this, is that all of us are the Samaritan woman at the well. (laughs) All of us, that's a man saying that. I'm I'm the Samaritan woman at the well. You never thought you'd hear that before. It's true. All of us were in desperate need of Jesus. And Jesus went out of his way to meet us. It's all of our stories. All of our stories, they might sound a little bit different, but that's all of our stories. What I want to do as I go through this, this story of the, good, the, of the Samaritan woman at the well is I want to share seven things that Jesus does in this story, in this theme year of Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus in this story and what he does in it. And seven things that just kind of jumped out to me. And the first is this, is that Jesus sought her out. Praise God. Jesus, he seeks us out. The very beginning of this passage, it said this. It says this. He had to go through Samaria on the way. In verse four, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I love this in verse four. He had to go through Samaria. Jesus at this point is moving from Judea to Galilee. He's moving in this direction. It says he had to go through Samaria. 
If you pull out a map of Israel, you will notice that actually Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, there was a much quicker way to get from Judea to Galilee. It was to go through Samaria. But instead, most Jews would actually go around Samaria. And here's why. There was a deep hatred between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. Why? Let me just give you the the brief background of this. In 722 BC, the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom of Israel. They took them into captivity. During this time period, while in captivity, some of the Jewish people intermarried with the Persians and other captive groups of people. They intermarried. And then after they were released, sent back to their kingdoms, this group of people who intermarried went to Samaria. They lived in Samaria. The Jewish people considered these Samaritans as half-breeds, as subhuman people. There was hatred among them. They worshiped differently. They set up their own temple. The Jewish people did not like this. It culminated in about 180 BC when finally the Jewish people destroyed the Samaritan's temple. And so there's all this kind of hatred. The Jewish people would not touch the Samaritans. They would not speak to the Samaritans because they believed if they did, they would become unclean. And so now here is Jesus, and he's going from Judea to Galilee, and most Jewish people would avoid Samaria, go the long route, but Jesus goes through Samaria, and it says he had to go through Samaria. Well, actually, he did not have to, and most often, people would not have done this. But here's why Jesus had to do this. He had to do it for the gospel's sake. He had to do it not for geographic reasons, but for spiritual reasons. He had to do this because of you and me. He wanted every person on this planet to know that his good news, his kingdom, was for all people. And if he was going to proclaim this kingdom for all people, that meant the people that the Jewish folks thought were the most unlikely, the Samaritans. Praise God, I don't know if you ever feel like you're unlikely. I don't know if you've ever felt like maybe you were unworthy. Praise God, Jesus went to the Samaritans. He sought her out. The other day, I brought Bria to hockey, and then on my way home, I stopped at Chick-fil-A. I had to. (laughs) I had to stop there. Becca called at some point and said, hey, when are you guys coming home? I said, well, we had to stop at Chick-fil-A, right? I did not have to. I wanted to. (laughs) Bria wanted to. (laughs) Jesus did not have to. He wanted to. He wanted to extend his gospel, his good news to all people. I love this story that Jesus sought her out. If you read the story, you'll notice too that Jesus got to the well first. He was waiting for her to come. And Jesus, he patiently waits for us to come to him too. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus sought her out. Second thing that I notice in this story is this, is that Jesus spoke to her. Jesus says this. He says to the woman, once once she gets there, he, he says, please give me a drink. 
Now, this woman, it's noontime. She's going to the well at noon because she doesn't want anybody else to be there. She's ashamed of herself, of her story, of what's happening. And so she's just trying to get some water quickly when nobody else is around. It's to her surprise that there is somebody there. It's a Jewish rabbi. That's shocking enough. And then this Jewish rabbi speaks to her. And he says to her, please give me a drink. You can see the shock in this woman when she responds by saying, why are you asking me for a drink? Maybe you've felt that way in your walk with the Lord too. Why, why are you extending your grace to me? Why are you speaking to me? Why are you giving me your good gifts? This is the woman at the well. Why are you speaking to me? You're breaking all the rules right now by speaking to me. Why are you doing this? And this is what Jesus does today, friends. He speaks to us. He's still speaking today. Third thing Jesus does is this. Jesus offered her life. Jesus flips the conversation in this moment. The woman begins to ask him, well, why, why are you asking me for a drink? And then Jesus says, man, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus here is going to offer her life. He's talking about the basic necessity of life. You need water. He's saying, listen, if you only knew who was sitting, who was standing before you, who you were in the presence of, you would ask me and I would give you living water. This is what Jesus came for. Not to just give her a drink of water that would be temporary, but to give her something brand new that would bring a new identity into her life that would give her eternal life. This is what Jesus came for. And then I like it because this woman gets a little bit snarky and Jesus doesn't just like walk away. I like that. Jesus is okay having hard conversations, by the way. He's okay when we're real and raw with him. And she says, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Who do you think you are? That's what she says. My translation. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than Jacob? We're at Jacob's well and you're offering me this different kind of water? Who do you think you are? And Jesus answers it. The short form of Jesus' answer is this. Yes. Yes, I'm better than Jacob. <laughs> but this is the grace of Jesus. He says this. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, the water of this well. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. The woman became desperate for this water. She says, please, sir, give me this water. Go back in your time with the Lord this week, and what I'd like for you to do is read this passage every day. And one of the things you could look at, I'm not gonna give you the answer here, but look at what the woman calls Jesus throughout the passage. It's an amazing progression. She was desperate for this water. The next thing that Jesus does is this. Because Jesus wants to offer us a new identity. He wants to offer us freedom. He wants to offer us forgiveness, grace, mercy. He wants to offer us his presence in the fullest sense. But he knows that there's something that blocks that for us. And it's our sin in our life. And so what Jesus does next 
as he confronted her sin. He says this, go and get your husband. And Jesus knew full well that she didn't have a husband at this time. She had had five husbands, but now the person she was with was not her husband at all. And so Jesus just comes right at it and says, hey, listen, go and get your husband. The woman was amazed that Jesus, Jesus knew this. And then she deflects the conversation. <laughs> she says, wow, you must be a prophet. And then she begins to talk about worship. Maybe we do this in our relationship with Jesus too. He confronts us, convicts us, and we say, hey, Jesus, what about this though? <laughs> There's a little bit of what's happening. And now she brings it on to worship. She's like, wow, this, this, this Jewish rabbi, he's open to talking to me. I've got some questions here about worship. Remember that the Jewish people had destroyed the Samaritan's temple? And so she asked this question, and what Jesus does next is Jesus reveals a great secret. And the woman asked this, why do you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship? And we Samaritans say it is here at Mount Gerizim. Why are you so upset that we have our own temple? Why can't we worship here and you worship here? What's happening here? Why do you say that's the only place and we say this is the only place? And then Jesus reveals this great secret to this woman at the well. He says, the time is coming Indeed, it's here now. Why is it here now? Because his presence is right there with her. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. A time is coming. In fact, the time is here. When Jesus is saying, listen, the presence of the Lord is here, right here with you. It doesn't matter the place now. Wherever you are, where the presence of God is, there you can worship. And this is what Jesus has done, what he did on the cross. He broke the chains that we can worship him, that we can experience the power of his spirit in our lives. So, so no longer is there just one destination where we can worship the Lord. In fact, the time is now. He's revealing this great secret of the outburst, the outbreak of his spirit among his people. The next thing Jesus does is he makes a very bold claim. The woman responds and she says this, listen, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. A little bit ironic statement with Jesus sitting right in front of her. When, when the Messiah comes. Now here's what Jesus does. He makes this bold claim. He, does, he never says it more clear than this. Right to this Samaritan woman at a well at noontime. This is our Jesus. This is our Jesus. That he comes to a Samaritan, you shouldn't talk or speak or touch a Samaritan, woman, who was, they were considered less than, at noontime. A person who's totally ashamed and guilty for who they were. And Jesus comes and says, you know what? I'm gonna reveal to this person who I really am. He's breaking down barriers and he's saying, you think you're the most elite? <laughs> you think you're the most important? I'm going to a Samaritan woman at noontime and I'm gonna say this, I am the Messiah. Last thing Jesus does is Jesus meets a village. Why? Because this woman goes out and she preaches the good news. I met a man who knew everything about me 
I think he's the Messiah. Come and see for yourself. That sounds like the gospel to me. And she was pretty effective at it. Because all of a sudden, it says that people began to come and gather around Jesus and find out for themselves that he is, in fact, the Messiah. I'm gonna invite my friend Liz to come up. And I'm so thankful for her and her friendship for Beck and I and our kids. And she's a wonderful worship leader and, and one of our staff members here. So thankful that you're willing to share your story with us today, Liz. Let's in, invite her up. And I'm just gonna, we're just gonna have a little conversation here yes. about this story. And um, you told me that this story is very important to you. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and you said to me, just in case anybody, this is maybe just a lesson. She said to me, hey, I'll preach with you if you preach on John 4. And at that time, it wasn't on the sermon calendar, but it was amazing how quickly it got on the sermon calendar. I, I know. I, I saw you going through Matthew, and I'm like, nah, he's not going to go to John. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm always willing to make an exception if the Lord's moving. And... Um, uh, you know, this story is very important to you oh, and yeah, um, to your personal story. Yes. Um, and it's just one of uh, your favorites, I think. And so yes, I'd love to just ask you some questions about it. And I'd love for you to tell your testimony in a moment. But why, just kind of high level, why do you love this particular story? Why was it like, hey, Brian, if you preached on this <laughs> passage, I'd sit with you? Well, when reading this passage, I feel like anyone can just put their their feet, you know, mm. wear the shoes of the Samaritan woman at that very yeah. moment. And I really do believe that we are all the Samaritan woman, whether we go through hardships or even if we have a wonderful life. Yeah. We still need to meet Jesus. And what's so great is that Jesus waits for us and he, and he meets us at the right time yeah. in the perfect way that we need it. And that's yeah. why I love this story. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's go a little bit deeper into the story. Yeah. And um, there are so many layers to the story. Yes. I just hit like a fraction uh, you, of yeah, them. Yeah, you hit some. <laughs> hit some of them. But can you tell me um, what jumps out to you? Like what hits your, your heart yeah. about this story? So I love the way that you started with um, kind of explaining the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. Right. And so Jews aren't supposed to speak to Samaritans. They're like you know, if you had a child, you'd be like, no, we don't associate with them. Right. What was so good was that Jesus was able to break traditions. Yeah. And he, he really didn't care. Like, he, there was a way that he could have gone that was longer, but he decided to take the short, the shortcut. Yeah. The, 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 the quickest way to go to the next destination. But what was so good was that in this passage, it really does show that Jesus was like, no, there's a divine appointment that I need to go to. Yes. And what was so good was that it was during the time where the disciples weren't even there. Yeah. So Jesus allowed yeah. this time to just be him, mm. himself, with a woman that needed to meet with him. Yes. And I love, I love the way that you said it too. Like he was waiting for her at yeah. the well in the hottest time of the day. Yes. You know? And so... I can even imagine how this like Samaritan woman was feeling, right? Like there's a man at the well at a time that she usually goes to where no one is there. Yeah. And then she sees that it's a Jewish man. And I just love how from there it just goes into this like raw conversation. Yeah. And I love that you, you brought that up too. It, it just reminds us that 
we can just be ourselves. We can come in so sweaty. Yes. <laughs> and I bet she was smelly too because she was probably so hot yeah. from that walk. And um, it, it was just so good that she, she could just be herself yes. with them. And so while this conversation was going on, it wasn't even a hello. <laughs> right. It was like, kind of like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> right. you know, like you're a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. You know, why are you even talking to me? Why did you even ask, um, you know, if I can give you a drink? Right. Like, you, we shouldn't be having this conversation. And it, it's so good because like Jesus, he probably chuckled, you know? <laughs> like he wasn't like, oh, this this woman isn't accepting me, you know? Right, right. He was just like, oh, okay. Like, I'm just gonna take my time and I'm gonna speak to this woman. And it's so good that Jesus was like, well, the water, there's this water that I can offer you that won't make you run dry, you know? The water here can make you thirsty, but the water that I give you will will always nourish you, will always fill the void, right? Mm. And so from this, like, the lady wasn't even, like, kind of like, she was like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I want it, but then you're kind of saying, like, you're better than, than my ancestors. You're better than Jacob. And, and it was just such a great interaction yeah. um, because the Lord wasn't even phased by her. Like, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't even like, oh, this woman is a handful. This woman is just too <laughs> much. Like, mm-hmm. she thinks she's, she knows it all. Yep. No, it was very like, oh, man, she, she has a lot to learn and I have a lot to offer. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep having this conversation with her. Yes. And I'm just going to enjoy the conversation that I'm having with her because I, I'm 100% sure that the Lord wasn't even uh, like offended by it. Mm. He was probably like, oh, my daughter, you know? Yes. And um, while this woman was saying that she was ready to receive this, this, this water, she was, she was like, I want to know this water that you're talking about. And what was so good was that Jesus pointed out like her flaws, right? Right. He was yeah. like, all right, then bring your husband. And right. she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not <laughs> married. Like, yeah. um, and then he brought up her five husbands. Yeah, you've been married with five other people. Right. And the guy that you're with now, you're not even married to. And it was so good because I felt like the Lord was preparing her to mm. receive that water. Right. In order to receive that water, the Lord was like, let me just take these layers that you have, right? Yes. Let me just take off the, the, the sin where, where you're trying to find your identity in these men, but the identity isn't by these men. The identity comes from, from him. Yeah. The identity comes from Jesus. And so Jesus is just kind of conversating with her and she's like, oh my gosh, are you a prophet then? Right. And then what was so good was, and, I, and I'm 100% sure the Lord chuckled at that, that name too, like, no, I'm not a prophet. Like, we're kind of getting there. We're almost yep. getting there to the almost point of there. you seeing who I am. And even though she didn't know who she was completely, the Lord told her, well, mm. I am the Messiah, right? Right after he, right before he told her about worshiping mm. and that there's no place that, you know, she needs to go. She doesn't need to go to Jerusalem to worship the yeah. Lord. She doesn't need to go to this mountain to worship the Lord. She could just worship the Lord right then and there because the presence of the Lord was right there with her. Yes. So I love that you brought that up too. Yeah, man. yeah. And, um, and that was a moment for her of great shame. Oh, That's yeah. why she's there at noon. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah. yeah. In fact, the time is now. Yeah. Where you could, like, in your shame, yeah. in yeah. your disgrace, Yeah. now's the time that you can turn to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And, and she did, and she ran. And when the, the Lord told her, when Jesus told her that I am the Messiah, yeah. like, she did not hesitate 
She just ran mm. and, and shared the good news that she heard at that very moment. Yeah. And what was so good about that was even though she didn't get it 100% that that was the Messiah in front of her, Jesus was willing to show his identity mm. in order for her to know the voice of the Lord. Mm. You know, yes. like I am, I'm him. I'm the mm. one that you've been waiting for. Right. And um, because of that, she, she learned her identity as well. She yeah. just kept running. And yeah. even though people probably didn't believe her until Jesus came, she didn't care. She yeah. was like, I have, I just met the Messiah. Like yeah. you guys, I think yeah. I met him, but yeah. you know, like I wanna, I wanna talk to you guys about what he told me. Yeah. Yeah, and Jesus didn't give her like a course on how to tell her story, no, right? No, he or like, didn't. you know, he was like, you gotta the, say this, you gotta say I have long hair. And yeah, 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 no, yeah, he didn't yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is how you identify. None of that stuff, right? Like, no yeah. certificate or anything. No. In fact, I even wonder if if he knew she ran off because no. the disciples come in and distract yeah. him, and then it says she just left her water jar, which yeah. was probably a very important thing to her. Left everything yep. to go and tell the story. Yeah, she was like, I don't need that water. I, wonder I got if he the looked real back water. and went, where'd she, where'd she go? Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's going to tell the story. It was so funny was that the disciples are probably standing there like, what in the world just happened? Like yes. this woman just ran. And why was Jesus with this woman? Yes. And it, it really didn't even phase Jesus either. Yeah. 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 Can you tell us a little bit? Because I know that, you know, this story in John 4 connects with your personal story. Yeah. And... Um, do you mind just sharing your, your testimony, share your, tes your personal story with us and also just how it, it connects with this story? Yeah, I don't mind yeah. at all. Um, yeah. So I was always raised in the church and um, usually when you're being raised in the church as a parent, you, you wish, you know, you're hoping that your child continues to have that relationship with Jesus. However, I kind of did not have that relationship the way that my parents wanted it to happen. And the reason why was because when I was at the age of five, um, I was being sexually abused. And it was really hard. Um, well, at first, I didn't even know what was going on. I kind of thought it was just normal. And then once someone told me what was happening, it just skewed my whole world. Like it just changed the whole perspective of how I viewed the world, especially how I viewed the Lord. And I would always hear like sermons about how God is so loving and how, you know, he leaves the one to find the 99 and he always accepts us for who we are. And it was very hard for me to understand how this loving God who accepts everyone can allow this, you know, these hard moments to happen in my life. And it, and it really affected my, my identity as well. Because of the abuse that I've, I've dealt with so many years, I, I felt like that was how my value, my value was in that. I was an object. I was an object that can be used in whatever, whatever type of circumstance that was needed. And because of that, it allowed me to, to just not have this relationship with the Lord. My parents probably believed that I did, but I, I really did not. I, I did not have a relationship with him. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I would just go to church just to go to church because my parents would make me go to church. And so once college came, you know, you hit 18, even though in a Hispanic home, 18 doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but I was doing my own thing in college. I had the ability to just be independent, finally. And I made choices that I just weren't smart choices, but I was trying to fill a void I was trying to find what was my identity, what was the purpose of me being here, 
This, you know, the purpose of what I was going through as a child didn't make any sense, especially as an adult, knowing what, you know, how, what self-worth is. Mm. And so I was trying to fill a void and I was trying to find things that can numb the pain. And so I started drinking alcohol. Um, at first I was in denial. My friends who were alcoholics had to tell me, dude, you are alcoholic in order to understand mm. that, mm. Uh, wow, like I had a huge problem and I just kept going. Everyone was telling me, like, you needed help. You need help. And I really didn't want to listen. And so the alcohol wasn't helping, and so I ended up doing drugs. And I just kept finding these things that I just really didn't need in my life mm. in order to, like, you know, fill this pain. And I, at some point, like, I just hit rock bottom. And mm. it, was, it was really hard. Like, until this day, I still remember it. And uh, I was in my dorm room crying because I just didn't know what to do with this pain anymore. It was just mm -hmm. unbearable. And I would yell at the Lord. It wasn't even like, Lord, help me. It was like, this is all your fault. Mm -hmm. Like, if I just wasn't living, like, I would not be going through this pain. Like, if you just allowed me to be in a different family, just be somewhere else, like, I did not have to deal with this pain. And I would just tell the Lord, um, mm -hmm. like, if I knew better, like, if I knew how to like make my life better. And I'd, I finally stopped crying, went to get food. And there was this man at the college that would always come and pray for students. Like if you wanted prayer, he was the guy that you would find. I always try to avoid this guy because I was <laughs> like, I don't want you to pray for me. Please do not lay hands, I'm good. <laughs> and uh, for some reason he was just like, hey, like, you know, we're going to the prayer room if you want to come. And I went to the prayer room. Um, that's how bad I knew. I was like, wow, Liz, you're going to a prayer room and you just told Jesus off. Like, and uh, everyone was in their, you know, little area praying and I'm just sitting there thinking of like, wow, like I hit rock bottom. I don't know what to do. This is like the worst day of my life. Uh, they want me to pray, but I'm so angry and I don't even know how to pray. Like, I, you know, and this man came up to me and he was like, um, he was like, Elizabeth, I, I know we don't know each other very well. And I don't know if you have like a relationship with the Lord, if you have a relationship with Jesus, but I, I wanna tell you that I believe in this uh, spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I know what it is. Like I've been to church, but I'm not gonna tell him I went to church. And so he was like, I want, I want you to know that the Lord says that he, he forgives you. And everything that you went through in your life, you didn't go through it alone. He was always with you through every hard decision, even the decisions that you regret. Mm. He was there with you and he was feeling every pain that you were feeling. And I was really scared <laughs> mm. because he just started just naming things that I've went through. And it was really hard to hear because it was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, how does this man know me? This man must be a stalker. Maybe that's why he's at the, at the college. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> but no, he, he was, he, you know, the Lord sent him. And mm. from there on, like, I just started bawling my eyes out. Um, and I just kept thinking about the Lord. And the Lord just kept sending, like, important people into my life. 
my best friends, they, they attended the school at the time and they heard me sing one day and they were like, you should come to our church. And at that time I was kind of thinking of going to church again. And so I started going to their church. And on the first day that I went to the church, a lady out of nowhere um, came up to me and was like, you're a worshiper. And I just chuckled. Like, I'm like, this lady don't know me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And she was like, uh, she was like, you're a worshiper. And one day, you're going to be ministering on that stage. You're going to be ministering to people. And I just laughed. I, I laughed because I didn't know what to do. And I wanted to tell my new friends, like, did you guys tell her that I have a, you know, I'm trying to get my degree in music. And then I just sit down. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna sit down and just listen and not just assume. And then all of a sudden a lady comes up and gives her testimony and it's almost the same exact story as what I went through. Mm. And at that point I was just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Mm. Like no one has ever known this story, not even my family. Mm. And, and I don't know what to do with this. And so my friends just saw me kind of like, doing this little rock thing on my chair. <laughs> and I was like, man, I hope that I don't, they don't think I'm going crazy, but it's just something is inside me. It's like boiling and mm. it's not anger. It's like, it's kind of like the, I want to run because I don't know what to do. And uh, my friend goes, her name is Pollyanna. And she goes, uh, Liz, do you, do you want to go and get prayer? And I'm like, man, I'm so tired of prayer. <laughs> but I was like, but I gotta go. I, I gotta go get prayer because something inside me is just wanting me to get out of this mm. chair. And the lady started praying for me. And then all of a sudden I just felt this like, like it was like water mm. falling all over from my head to the toe. And, and I just started crying. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. And this lady goes, it's the love of God. Just just drenching you right now. Mm. And she was like, and the Lord is just saying like, he loves you so much, he loves you so much. And, and I just started crying even harder. And from that day on, I gave my life to Christ. Mm. And from there on, I'm, I'm telling you guys, the journey was not easy. Um, I know usually people are like, oh, I gave my life to Christ, it's so easy, it's, it's gonna be great. <laughs> it, it is great, it is great. Uh, but it took a while for me to become sober. I relapsed mm. a couple of times and Finally, there was a lot of people that just kept coming in and finding ways to just, you know, get me sobered up and uh, found mentors that taught me on reasons why and also how to deal with the trauma. And what was crazy was that they used worship um, mm. to help me out. And I guess the lady was right. I, I guess I, I did start to worship on that stage. Mm. <laughs> I actually still worship with her now, which is, which is amazing. Mm. And um, yeah the Lord just kept showing up and telling me and reminding me, like, you're not in this alone. Like, mm. I, I got you. Like, I know what you went through. And um, what's amazing is that I never would have thought I would have given my testimony in front of a whole bunch of people. And even today, I'm still seeing the Samaritan woman in me because I'm here sitting in front of all of you guys giving my testimony. Yeah. And I'm telling you how much Jesus is real and how much he shows up at the right times and he's always there being the, the person that we need him to be. And it's so great. Yeah, praise God, thank you. Well, we just wanted to do uh, one more thing and, and for all of our campuses and 
whether you're watching at home today too. Um, Liz, one last question. Yeah. You know, what's the invitation for people today? You know, if, if we could imagine all of ourselves sitting, you know, at the well with Jesus, what do you think he'd be inviting us into in this moment? I honestly believe that Jesus is saying that I'm willing to be the thing that you need him to be. And so what I mean by this is, like, if you have anxiety, right, or depression, in the word it says that he doesn't give us the spirit of fear or timidity, but he gives us a sound mind. So he's willing to be that spirit that will give you a sound mm. mind. And then it also says, like, if you don't feel like you have a plan or a purpose, or maybe you're in this life where you're like, okay, life has been going good, but I feel like there's something else. Jesus says that he has a plan and purpose for you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. And so that means, like, if you're still breathing, he has a plan for you, and he's willing to be that person to give you that plan. And even at the times where life gives us a curveball, where we don't understand what's going on, whether it's like new changes or, or maybe it's uh, we have to move somewhere or we have to ha have a new job. The Lord is saying, you know, trust in the Lord, right? Mm. Trust in Jesus with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding because he's the one who can make your path straight. And so mm. I, I really do believe he's like, I'm, I'm here and I'm yeah. ready to listen and I'm willing to be whatever you want me to be. Yeah. And maybe as, as the worship teams come up and all of our campuses, we're gonna sing the same song together across our campuses and it's a song the Lord placed on your heart. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about it? So it's come, um, come to the altar and while I was preparing and reading through this uh, passage, again, I'll say that, uh, the Lord gave me the song and the first verse says, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. And I really do feel like Jesus is like, lay it all on the altar. Yeah. Um, lay it here, right, at the well. And I'm just waiting for you to just to open up and lay it all down. And what's mm. so good was that the, verse go, uh, the chorus goes, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Yeah. And so just imagining that Jesus is just here waiting to embrace you while you lay everything down. Yeah, yeah. praise God. Well, Liz is gonna sing this for us here yeah. at Bethel, so she's gonna go off this way. But, um, yeah. I wanna invite us to stand in all of our campuses in Waterbury, New Milford, Derby. Let's stand together. And um, we're gonna go into this song, Come to the Altar. And we don't want those just to be words. We want that to be an actual invitation today. And so as we're singing this song, I wanna invite you to come to the altar. Uh, if you need Jesus to fill that void, uh, if you need to just experience the presence of the Lord in that way, please come forward. Here's, I'll tell you just a little bit, no one's gonna come up to you in this moment and ask to pray for you, okay? So this is gonna be a time for just for you to come up and then we'll sing the song and then I'll do the benediction and then we'll have our prayer servants come and if you'd like prayer from somebody at that point, we'll just have you stay at the altar and they'll pray for you. But this is a time just for you uh, to come together and, um, and really meet the Lord at the altar. I pray that this time in our campuses has been powerful. I pray that you're eager uh, to really ask Jesus to fill every void that might be in your life right now. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus himself. Amen. Amen. You're welcome at any time to come forward.